Hello and welcome to Back of the Net and Beyond, where today I'm going to be speaking to Carl Fletcher, who is a former professional footballer and ex-teammate who played for West Ham, Crystal Palace, Bournemouth and Wales. How's it going, mate? You OK? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm really good, thanks. Good stuff, looking well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No hair, beard's going grey. Yeah, really, really well. That's really what I was looking for as a <laughs> Oh, mate, long time no see. How's things? Yeah, no, it's, it's been okay. It's been good. I think um, I turned 40 in April. Okay. Um, it was obviously quite a big milestone birthday. Um, and it's just, it's just, yeah, it's nice, like, reflecting on certain things, you know what I mean, as you get to a certain age, I suppose. Um, it's nice to look back and that. But, yeah, no, things are good. Family's all good. I've got kids and stuff, so spend a lot of time trying to keep them keep them happy and, and try and put them on the right path, so to speak. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm all, I'm all really well. Thanks, Tom. Good stuff. I uh, appreciate you coming on. Obviously, I understand you're really busy given, um, obviously, what you're doing now. Um, so yeah, really appreciate that. Um, in terms of um, the listeners out there, just to let everyone know what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, so, um, so I'm currently the loans manager for, for AFC Bournemouth. Um, which is it's quite a new role generally, although but it's been you know since it kind of come about, um, it's got more and more popular amongst amongst clubs. I think obviously you know it's well documented that that Chelsea have obviously you know kind of used it to advantage over the years with players going out on loan and then you know um, making you know decent decent profits on the players on on the back of their loans kind of thing. And I think this year is probably the first time that's seen them actually progress through to the the first team kind of thing. So they've had a really good model, you know, Man City and some of the other the bigger categories. But um so I started it about 18 months ago. Um and before that I was I was coaching down in Bournemouth. I'd done the 18s and the 21s. Yeah. So I'd done that for about five years, um, which was great. Do you know what I mean? Being down at Bournemouth at that time, you know, getting promoted to the Premier League and and seeing the club change um, and learning loads of stuff from Ed, but obviously I live in I live in London way, so um, I was travelling a lot back and forward to, to Bournemouth, which was great at the time. But after a while, it's uh, there's a lot of hours wasted on the M25 and, and the M3. So um, this enabled me to work from home and just just open my mind again, just to get out and mm. see other teams play, see other clubs, speak to loads of people, and it really. Um, even at the age when I took it over, probably what was I, 38, 39, mm. it, it put me out of my comfort zone okay. a little bit, which mm. was great. Do you know what I mean? It was very, you know, once you stop playing, you have to get into the world of emails and yep. speaking to people <laughs> and not everything just falls on your lap kind of thing. So yeah. that was, I got used to that a little bit from, from the coaching side and management mm. side. And then this come about where, you know, you, you have to go and speak to people to try and get, um, uh, players to clubs to try and get them out on loan to, to mm. kind of you know to kind of speak to them um, and just to speak to people that you don't know and just just to, to really network really and that was something that yeah. I'd never had to do before mm. um, and it's brilliant I loved it do you know what I mean no racking yeah you know, but, but but I loved it it really um it really done me a favour look at that that's sun right in right in my eyes there isn't it look at that <laughs> Let's see if I can move it there we go that's brilliant I mean. I'm happy for you because obviously I, I know you as a player and I knew what you what you were like as a person as well. And obviously, from what I can remember, you're always very kind of 
you had a know-how about you in terms of on the pitch and off the pitch. And although um, we're all young at that stage, we're kind of what, 22, 23, and kind of in and around that age group. And always, I always kind of saw you as someone who was quite mature for your age. And um, not only your personality, but also how you performed on the pitch and kind of your know-how about the game. So it doesn't surprise me that you've kind of um, been a manager and we touched on that a bit later on. And obviously you're still involved in the game to a large capacity as well. So uh, fair play for that. Um, in terms of the podcast, it, it's generally about um, speaking to people like yourself and figures within the sport, um, just about kind of transferable skills, making people aware that athletes do have transferable skills with pursuits of their industries um, and not just sport. However, obviously, if, if someone is a sports person, they've kind of stayed within their sporting world, that's, that's even more kind of, well, it, it's still important to a certain degree because you still need transferable skills. Um, in terms of yourself, because obviously you've been a player and you played at a high high level and you sustained a career, and we'll touch on that again a bit later on. How was your transition from being a player and obviously to doing what you're doing now? How did you find it? Um, yeah, it was strange, really. I think because I, I kind of went from stopped playing straight into being a manager. So okay. um, you know, with the role came about with when I was down in Plymouth. Um, and obviously we had a lot of financial issues down there with like administration and stuff. So, um, it, it wasn't a great time in terms of the whole thing. And it kind of, the way it progressed, it kind of fell on my lap and looking back now, it's easy for me to say, say it was too early, but it was a great experience. And, and it kind of was one of the things, well, I couldn't do both. So I couldn't play and manage. I had to make a decision. So I decided, you know, I went for the management cause I was getting, I was, what was I 31, 32, something like that. So, um, I made that choice. So it kind of never really gave me any time to stop and think about it. It was kind of straight away. And it yeah. wasn't probably until, you know, probably 18 months later when I lost my job um, at Plymouth, um, where you actually go, okay, right now, what do I, do you know what I mean? Now I've got to start thinking um, about different things and things that you'd never thought about. And I think that comes with age a little bit. And I think you get to that sense because, um, I don't know whether you felt the same, Dan, but I, I was getting older and, and I lost a bit of love for it. Okay. A little bit of love for football. I don't know whether that was just maybe certain situations I was in at teams and, and little things like that. But yeah. Um, and you almost turn your eye to, to other other avenues or other things that you might look at and think, you know, mm. it's, you know, it's quite daunting because you're of a certain age and you're almost starting again. Where yeah. a lot of people that, that maybe hadn't done that, you know, were learning at 16, 17, 18, interviews, yeah. CVs and all that kind of stuff. And then you're like mid thirties and you've got all these responsibilities, house and a yeah. kids and a family to look after. And you're almost starting from the bottom again. And you think, mm. geez, you know, the only thing I know is it's football, you know, to a degree. Yeah. Um, and then it wasn't till then really that I started looking into probably what football had given me in terms of um, different skills that, that, like you say, are transferable. So, so maybe, you know, confidence, maybe um, uh, an ability to try and learn stuff. Do you know what I mean? Something to, to kind of, um, I suppose, to a degree, a little bit of bravery to have a go, maybe that kind of scenario. Um, yeah. So it wasn't, yeah, like I said, it wasn't until after the Plymouth and I had like probably about a year out of not really doing a lot that it kind of yes yeah, suddenly kind of hit me a little bit that you you actually right now you've got to kind of um go and lead a proper life to a degree 
No, I hundred percent agree with what you're saying there, and uh, it kind of resonates with myself to a, to a certain degree. Um, I mean, I, I stopped playing when I was 31, um, and my mindset from a young age, probably shortly after I left Bournemouth, was probably around 23, 24-ish, around that age. Uh, and my yeah. mindset was like, if I don't earn enough money to be able to retire and kind of either do nothing or, or do what I want to a certain degree, maybe set up my own thing, then I'm going to have to work. So I already, already had that mindset. So it, it wasn't necessarily a hindrance. Uh, if anything, it, it pushed me towards trying to make it even more um, in the higher echelons of football. Um, but when it came to 30-31, um, finished playing in Iceland and came back to the UK, same scenario where clubs are asking me to go in and trial and stuff. And I just thought, look, I've been around for like 10, 15 years now. If you don't know me, you can either go and ask someone else who probably will be able to vouch for me as a player and as a person. If that doesn't work, then I'm not willing to do that. Um, as you mentioned, that at a certain age, 30, 31, whatever, um, you've got other responsibilities, family, mortgage, rent, whatever it may be. So you start looking at other things. And I, I managed to fall into, well, I say fall in, into, but I applied for a job um, in an estate agency and I managed to get it. Uh, and I had to sign my, myself through my CV, which was just invariably just sports-based because I'd done nothing else. But I knew what the role was about, so I had to use what I'd learned in football in terms of the characteristics and transferable skills and push that narrative in my CV, but also back it up in the interview. And this is the thing that I'm trying to, kind of when I speak to people, mention to athletes at the moment. It's pointless putting down on your CV how many medals you've got and how many games you've played or whatever, because no one cares, really. It's just a talking point to a certain degree. Um, and you mentioned there, obviously, you're kind of out of your comfort zone initially for yourself. Um, and I resonate with that as well, because you mentioned about communicating and sending emails and you can't, you kind of, everything is down to you. And again, I say this a lot and I'll probably ask you a question later on in terms of, do you think more needs to be done? Um, it's fine saying yes and PFA need to do this and other organizations need to do this and that. But as a player, as an athlete, you still need to have that gumption to go out and do it yourself because no one's really going to give you anything. Um, especially if you're not high profile like myself. Um, so, um, I mean, you mentioned there, obviously, what you're doing now and um, obviously on a daily basis, I'm sure it's pretty, pretty grueling for yourself. What is your daily basis? What do you do on a daily day to day? Yeah, so, so generally, so obviously before the, the whole lockdown kind of scenario, we would have players out on loan. So during the transfer windows, um, it gets quite busy because obviously we're looking to get, you know, youngsters maybe some senior players, maybe some, some real youngsters out on loan. So you're looking for clubs, making sure it's the right clubs. Mm. Um, you know, players of a, of a certain age, we will, I will try and do the, the negotiations in terms of the loan arrangements, the agreed terms and stuff like that. So go through all of that. Mm. Um, then obviously once they're there, you make sure they're there, make sure they're comfortable. You know, you speak to them, you watch their game, you try and go and see them live. You try and get into the, the clubs to, to watch them train live, to speak to the managers and stuff. Um, yeah, just to make sure their well-being is all okay. I think we're, we're quite, we made a, like a conscious effort, really. I think once I got this role that the younger players, especially like, you know, probably 20 and upwards, mm. um, they had to go out on loan. I think okay. our, our manager's always very keen for mm. them to, to prove themselves out on loan to make the next step up to, to the first team. I'm not okay. saying that's right for everyone, but, you know, as a club, it was the best way for them to try and almost force their way into a first team reckoning kind mm. of thing. So. Um, we made that conscious effort, which was great. Um, yeah, some loans, you know, were successful and players go out and play. 
some you know could have been better but i don't think there's ever really a bad loan to a degree um some are going out for experience some are going out for game time some are just going out to you know because they might not be uh needed here but it's just me making sure they're all okay there's no issues making sure we know how they're getting on are they doing well enough that we might have to give them another contract are they you know doing worse that we won't give them another contract all these kind of scenarios um without fully holding their hand because we want them to go and stand on their own two feet um in in these different environments because you you know you know what it's like down in Bournemouth especially it can be very much of a bubble um and you know the the UK or even Great Britain you know even before we even look to Europe and stuff there's so many different people different um how clubs how they play how they train how they yeah. treat their players that, that they have to get this realization because they're not always going to stay at Bournemouth for the whole career so they have to get them them experiences to benefit them in the future mm. um I think these experiences will will make them better people so I'm just making sure they're all okay uh, and touching base with the club um and like I said it's something that that I've really enjoyed um there was no department for it until I had it at Bournemouth um and yeah yeah it's just you know like I said we're we're probably about 18 months in but there's still so much more that I want to do with it and take it um to to really help the the lads coming through I love that and I love that initiative as well whereby kind of the the players of the age of 2021 uh they're they're about to going out and getting experience because Mm -hmm. that's a massive thing um, and you mentioned that you kind of covered all bases whereby you could be sending someone out to gain first team experience to then come back and maybe get in the first team at Bournemouth or maybe they're on the kind of the fringes of maybe being retained and you're not too sure and then they go out and uh, it may not work. But at the same time, it, it's invaluable. They've gone into another environment, uh, learned to communicate with a new set of people, new members of staff and play it maybe a slightly different way. Uh, in a different pitch, so all of those things will count going forward. Even if they don't go back to Bournemouth and play, they could take what they've learned and move elsewhere. So um, I think that's invaluable. So I, I think that's a really good thing that you're onto there. Um, what I've noticed at Bournemouth as well, because obviously we play together, um, I've noticed that a lot of the staff there now are like ex-teammates. <laughs> so you've got yourself, Big Fletch, uh, I think Perchie's there, uh, obviously Jason Tindall, Eddie Hull. Um, so is Husey still there as well? Husey's still here, yeah. So he's yeah. the technical director. Um, yeah. Gareth Stewart, goalie coach. Alan Connell's here. Wow. Brian Stocks here. Warren Cummins at the club. So, yeah, I mean, the star five, the star five sides are good, I'll be yeah, honest. I can imagine. They're, they're, they're <laughs> not a bad level, to be fair. But no, it, it's nice. I think, you know, it's always been something, I think that was something that Ed was quite keen to do. Yeah. Um, especially once he got into a position where, you know, he could add people um, mm. to the staff, whether it be his first team staff or academy staff. Mm. Um, and I think we all know each other and you know what it's like when you play with someone, you, there's a um, an instant bond, whether you played with them for, you know, a year, two years, yeah. 10 years, six months, you, you have an instant bond and, and everyone's kind of played. They have a, a mutual respect and a trust for one another. Mm. Um, and everyone looks after one another, which is nice. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it, Dan. You go into football clubs, and there's there can be a lot of backstabbing and this, and yeah. you know, he said yeah. this, and he's not good at that, blah blah blah. But um, I think with the fact where we all know each other, and we've had, you know, when we played positive and negative experiences, um, it brings you closer. And, and like I said, we all we all kind of try and look after one another and respect each other and help each other, and you all want to see each other succeed. So. I think that trust 
in any kind of work environment, I think it's really important for, for things to go well. Definitely. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, in terms of Bournemouth, um, obviously that's where you started your career. Um, and you made your debut at a young age. So talk us through that. How was that feeling for you? Yeah, yeah, no, it was great, really. I think I was 17, Grimsby away. Um, yeah, a bit nerve-wracking, I think. It was very nerve-wracking, only come on a sub. Um, mm. But, yeah, just just really nice to make my debut. I, you know, it, it was at the time, I think, Dan, um, that, that football, it was never seen as, like, a career mm. to a degree. It was almost just something you've done because yeah. you loved it. I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. this day and age, it is, you know, of course it is, we, any business or anything that does well, you can see it today with social media and you can see the, the good bits about it. And, you know, with the media, you might see bad bits about it and you, you're fully in kind of know what you're kind of getting into. But yeah. back, back when I first started, it was just, you know, I left school and people were like, well, what are you going to do? And just like, well, I'll just go and play football. And it was like, <laughs> that was the thing. I, I, yeah. I didn't really think too much in the future. I was almost going like day to day. And, and yeah. luckily enough for me, you know, some lucky timings and, and, you know, hitting things at, at the right time and good managers at the right time, you end up forging out a career. Um, but yeah, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. I think I've been so lucky with my experiences, not only just um, with the football, but, you know, moving to different places around the country. Um, I was lucky enough to play internationally. So, I, you know, visited a lot of countries that I'd never got to to, to yeah. see that. Um, like I said, being close to, to people from other nationalities that you have to get on with and, and you mm. learn about. Um, and I've, I've, I've really, you know, the, the best thing I've probably done was leave Bournemouth when I was 24 mm. um, just to go and I moved to, to West Ham and it just opens your eyes to, to a whole other world. And again, out your comfort zone, but it was something that you had to do. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm really pleased I've done it. And I think them experiences, although tough at the time, would, you, know, you know, I'm really pleased to have them now. To, to help to try and pass on to my kids if I can. Yeah, definitely. When they listen to me, that is, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> no, I mean, I was there, obviously, you ended up being my captain, great captain, uh, great leader, obviously, you led by example. Um, you went on to obviously uh, play at a higher level. And how was that? Because I remember when it was all going on and you were obviously at Bournemouth and then there's rumours around you kind of moving elsewhere and then you end up going to West Ham and that's a massive step up. So how was that for you in, in, in everything? So on and off the pitch? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so big. Like you, you don't realise, obviously, all I'd known was Bournemouth from about 11 years old, you know, like growing up there and going to the games with my dad and then obviously um, playing there. And then you go to West Ham, you don't realise how big these clubs are. Mm. Um, obviously, moving to London was a completely different way of life. Um, than it was in Bournemouth. You know, Bournemouth, everyone lived 20 minutes away, but London, yeah. you know, you're all over London kind of thing. And it's like an hour to get into training. It's like, mm. it's only like five miles down the road kind of thing. Yeah. So it, it was a massive, yeah, massive change. And it, and it took me a while to, to definitely settle in into London after the initial period, um, just to get used to everything. Yeah. Um, like I said, it was, it was definitely the, the best thing I'd done. Um, mm. And the biggest thing I noticed in terms of the size, I think we went on a pre-season tour um, or a pre just a pre-season in Sweden. Mm. And um, we had a friendly out there, um, just some random Swedish team. I, I mean, mm. I, I don't know who they were, some, some lower league team. And um, we turned up for the friendly and there was 5,000 West Ham fans there. 
Jesus. Travel just for a pre-season friendly, and I'm like, oh my god, like we don't even get, we didn't even get five thousand, I think, at the time at Bournemouth in the yeah. in the league game. So it just showed you how big it is. Um, yeah. And like I said, I'm very, I'm very lucky to 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 play for some some good clubs. So that's mm. fun. how how did you find kind of settling into the dressing room and the way of life? Um, were the boys welcome in? I'm sure they were. Yeah, yeah, we were. I mean, we was really lucky. I had a really good group um, at that time. Um, and, and still a lot of the ones from that, that when I was there are, are good friends of mine now. So um, I think it helped. There was a few of us that went there at the same kind of time we moved yeah. in. So there was a couple when I moved into the hotel that mm. had just signed as well. So that give you a natural bond. I knew a couple anyway from Wales okay. as well. But that helped. Um, but yeah, we had, we had you know, different, you know, different groups within the changing room. But we was all very similar, you know, kind of similar ages, 24, yeah. 25. You know what I mean? All trying to compete. And I think, you know, the two years that I was there, we had a promotion to the Premier League and then we had the cup final the next year. So mm. it, was, um, it was a successful time and, and it just brought us all together closer, which was, which was really nice. That's brilliant, mate. And then obviously from there, you went on to Crystal Palace and you kind of became an established player at that level, kind of Premier League championship. Uh, and then you had honours for Wales as well. So... Again, another massive step up. How was it playing for your country? It must have been a massive feeling for yourself and for your family. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Um, I think I got my debut actually while I was at Bournemouth, so so mm. it was amazing, really. Um, yeah, yeah, just just something I'd never really dreamed, like you know, thought too much about. You know, just mm. fully focused on playing every week. But um, when it came about, yeah, it was brilliant, brilliant. Just just to meet different people, and obviously with uh, with Wales at the time, you know, playing with players like Gigs and. Craig Bellamy and Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey. It's just, it was, yeah, it, it was, um, again, really lucky. We had a really good group at the time. And again, you know, made a load of really good friends. Um, yeah, amazing. Just, and again, to go and play international football, which was so different to the football in England at the time. Um, and it was just, just yeah, an amazing experience, I think. Um, and something that, that I've really cherished, you know, Probably not at the time as much, but once you finish playing, you look back and you go, yeah, yeah no, I learned a lot and I've really cherished those moments. Mm. Was Stocky in the squad whilst you were in the squad for Wales or not? Don't, uh, no, I don't recall. He might have, was he, was he in one? I think he might have been one right towards the end, mm. I think, maybe. Um, but no, generally, generally Stocky wasn't there. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was a strange kind of scenario because when you go away internationally, um, you're away for a long period, you know, you used to have two games on a, on a Saturday and then a midweek. So you're away for 10 days solid kind of yeah. thing away from home. Um, and, and, you know, all fine. And then I think as it, as it progressed, I had kids, uh, mm. twins, and then I was away and then I wasn't playing as much in Wales. And it was kind of like, you know, I was getting older, mm. Anne Ramsey, Joe Allen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The players were coming through in midfield and I'm thinking... Yeah, they're they're miles better than me, so <laughs> probably not to play too much and to, to yeah. spend ten days away from from your kids, you know, and then you're travelling to to far away places. It was, you know, there was a time when it was a great, but there was a time that you know I was a little bit of a realist as well. That you know, oh. this is you know, let the younger ones come through. There was a great group coming through, so let let them go and play, and I'm I call it a day kind of thing. So um, yeah, I think I ended up with 36 caps, which you know I'm really proud of. Mm, that's amazing mate and I uh, can only congratulate you for that um, you mentioned at the top of the show kind of uh, you've been a manager and you've got the opportunity through various different circumstances at Plymouth how was it then seeing things from the other side so obviously you've been a player and as you know as a player you've always everyone's got an opinion I have one 
uh, everyone else has had one. Um, and sometimes you don't agree with what a manager's saying just because you don't see things from their perspective. Now, obviously, when you're a manager and you've been a manager, what was it like being on the other side of the defence, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, it was really strange, especially I think what the, the biggest difficult thing for, for Plymouth was going one day I was a player and a captain and the next day I'm the manager. So that, that was kind of difficult and you had to kind of uh, make a conscious effort to kind of um, draw a line. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's them and this is me. You can still keep relationships to a degree, but there were yeah. certain points where right, I can't be involved in that now. I've mm. got to be this side of the line kind of thing. So, yeah, it was difficult. I think, you know, when we got out, of the when I first took over, we were, we were struggling for relegation in League Two and the, and the pressure on the club at the time, you know, no money, players hadn't been paid. We were looking to get, you know, basically gone into a position when I took over that we were going, you know, going into the conference. Okay. Which for a club as far as Plymouth was mm. um, unheard of. Um, and then it started to be about, well, it's not just the football club, you're going to affect, you mm. know, people in the city, businesses in the city and things like that. So there was a lot of pressure then um, and it was intense and it was difficult um, and I learned a lot um, and thankfully we got out of it. Um, mm. And I was the same as you. I was an older player. You think you know it all. As soon as you go into it, and just like, nah, I'm nowhere near ready. Do you know mm. what I mean? So, um, yeah, it, it was a great experience. And like I said, it was something I'd never take away. But but looking yeah. back, I would have done it the other way. I would have done, do the under-18s coaching, then the 21s, and then go into your management and you feel mm. more prepared. I so, suppose at times, um, like, to be honest, it's one of those situations where if you didn't take the opportunity, you'd probably be thinking, oh, I wish I'd done it. So, yeah, this is it. Way, this is it. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I was getting into an age and it's like, if you don't take it, you know, I might have got another club somewhere else. I might have played till I was 35. I might have, I might not have. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? But like I said, I was falling out of love a little bit with the game and this was the next challenge. This was the next thing to kind of get my teeth into. So, yeah, you know, you, you, I'd rather look back and go, I tried and failed rather than going, oh, I never tried at all. I think that's, that, yeah, I think that's a big thing. And just just go for it. I think, you know, sometimes the, the fear of failure is definitely crippling um, mm. and it's a tough one. But I think some you just got to go for it sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then what will be, will be. And if it goes well, brilliant. Try your best. I mean, I always try and say to my kids, I said, we, we never put any pressure on them to, to be the best or have the best results at school or anything like that, as long as they try. Um, exactly. I, don't, yeah. I don't, if they don't try or if they just, mm. they're, they're like really sloppy with it. Just try your best, and whatever your best is, that's that's good enough for me. That's all you can ask for. Um, and most recently, you've been manager at Leighton Orient. So obviously, we're coming about I don't know five six years on from um, your initial appointment at Plymouth. So how did you find that um, versus your time at Plymouth? Because obviously, more experience, a lot older. Um, was there a difference for you? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, for me, yeah, a uh, big difference. I was very comfortable mm. with um, being a manager then, do you know what mm. I mean, in terms of my knowledge of what I had mm. and how what I knew, how or when it delivered or what I wanted. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so there was no um, procrastinating on certain situations on certain things. Yeah. So I think that was that was definitely a benefit. I think just the timing of the whole late and orient thing was it just wasn't the right time. I think it just okay. it just just was wrong with probably from both sides. Do you know mm. what I mean? I think you know with everything that gone on with Orient, um, you know with with the tragic passing of, of Justin Edinburgh, it just it just was probably too soon. Um, and I think yeah. they probably didn't realise it until until I kind of went in there. So mm. um, again, 
looking back, it might have been one of them that you say, don't take it, but, you know, you try. I thought it ticked a lot of boxes, mm. uh, but it didn't work out the way I envisioned it. But at least you have a go. You've got to have a go sometimes. So, 100%. But I was very comfortable with, with my knowledge and what I, I wanted going in there, mm. um, which was a lot different to, to Plymouth, where I wouldn't say I was winging it at Plymouth, but I was a little bit more, you know, a bit more guess guesstimates than than actually yeah. knowing what I want. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of, so obviously you've made that transition now and it seems mm. like you're kind of very successful and long may continue going forward. Um, would you say athletes in general need more help when it comes to retirement? Because I don't know about yourself, but I remember when I would have conversations, whether it be with friends or people within football when I was playing and retirement was always seen as a negative and kind of, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. However, I knew I wanted to do something. So maybe I did have that mindset. Um, but I, I don't know what your thoughts are, are on it in terms of kind of, is there, is there more help needed? Um, do you know what? It's, it's a real difficult subject, Dan. And I think, I don't know if there is the right answer. I think for, from my perspective, um, there's a couple of things. I think that the, the biggest thing is there's a, there's a pride thing mm. around around footballers especially when they get to a certain age of oh you played football you must have loads of money yeah there's that kind of thing and you're, oh you're working now you've got a job and it's like do you know what i mean there, there's definitely this pride thing which i think is changing i think because i think some of the the, the, the players that are retiring now it's sort of a different mindset and and they you know don't worry too much about it as much i would say but yeah. there definitely is that um i think there is a a factor of sometimes there's almost too many options. So you come out, you know, you go to retire when you're a little bit older and you go, well, what shall I do now? Well, you've yeah. always been fully focused on one thing. Yeah. It's like, well, I might do a bit of coaching. I might do a bit of managing. I might do a bit of, um, I don't know, going work in an office. I might go and be a singer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes it, it's almost too many options and it's almost not knowing your own mind what you really enjoy. Yeah. Um, I mean, some people do, but I, I think that was that was quite a difficult period for me to actually go. Well, what what shall I go into? Because I felt comfortable of doing well at whatever I'd go into, but just yeah. decided where do you want to put all your efforts. Mm. I think to help in the long term, I think the younger, I think when they when they're in the the scholars and the, the younger age groups, I just think what they teach them can be better. I just yeah. think like, I know they do these B techs and things like that, and they try and you know higher learning. And it's similar to, to within schools. Mm. Give them something that is going to benefit them for life. Like, yeah. you know, teach them about your taxes. Yeah. Because everybody moans about taxes. So teach them so they can do their own taxes. Teach yeah. them how to get a mortgage. Teach them how to write an email. Teach them how to write a CV. These mm. are the things that when you get to 35, now it might change a little bit in that period, mm. but they're going to have some rough idea of mm. actually doing it. You know, sit down when they're, do one a year when they're 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. They have to go into an interview, do a mock interview. Yeah. To actually, so, if, so if, you know, they come to a season and they're 25 and they're not getting a contract and can't get a club, they might have to interview the next week. But at least they would have had some experience behind it. Mm -hmm. So, and there's nothing more daunting than doing something you've never done before. Mm -hmm. So if you do, you've got that practice in a safe environment where it's not the be all and end all, but they're learning then it's going to help them when it actually matters in, mm. in, in that interview. Um, I mean, I, I always said in the academy at Bournemouth, and I think it's a big thing they should, they should always just, just teach the lads a trade. 
any yeah. kind of plumber, plasterer, electrician, just give them some basic things. Because again, if it does stop the football the next day, mm. if you've got a degree in plumbing or whatever it is, you're a qualified plumber, you can go and earn money the next day. Exactly. Pretty much. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You can literally go around and like, who needs a, a plumber? Boom, I can earn money straight away. That's and it. you can take that around the world with you. you so, yeah. 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 So, it, I mean, even, you know, a hairdresser or, or, you know, anything that you can do that's, you know, something that is going to help them earn money. Now, they might only do it for a year or two years, but that might be a key period where they can actually earn a bit of money whilst doing yeah. something on the side and then, or, or figuring out what they really want to do long term. So, that's that's the biggest thing for me um, when they're in the in the scholarship programs at the clubs, where they can really help. Them. If they really want to help them, I think yeah. that's that's how they can do it. That's true, and I mean, you make some good points there. Um, I was actually laughing in my head because you sounded a little bit like me when you when you speak about schools and kind of talk about teaching them taxes and how to apply for a mortgage and things. Because the amount of times I've said that in in this household with my own family, it's almost every week. Because um, some of the kids that the, 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 some of the things that teachers are teaching the kids, it's no fault of the teachers. Obviously, it's in the curriculum, and that's dictated to by uh, an external source anyway. But it doesn't resonate with everyday life. You leave school, and no one really cares about like King Henry the Eighth or whatever it is, and Battle of Hastings. Yeah, then then things are uh, a staple in history, but it's not going to aid you going forward in, in your life. Um, and then you mentioned about kind of work experience with players and I've mentioned that many times before and I think that's something tangible because as you know as players you want to touch and feel stuff um, and if it makes it more tangible from the players perspective if yeah. maybe on, on a Wednesday when everyone's got a, a day off anyway you go into an office for half a day or you have an interview a mock interview experience like you said or you go and learn a trade or something because if I had that opportunity as a player um, I'm not blaming anyone but if I did I'd probably take that opportunity up just because it gets gets me away from the everyday life, hustle and bustle of football, it gets me an opportunity to go and see things from another side. And it gives people an opportunity to see me as a person as well. Because everyone's got yeah. a perception of footballers, especially footballers of this, footballers are arrogant, they're stupid, and you all know we're not. Um, you no. can't, I mean, out of all the leagues across the whole world, you're putting everyone in the same bubble and saying that we're all stupid. It doesn't make sense. Um, so for me, you made some good points there. Um, I mean, did you get any help when it comes to your retirement process? So when you're kind of transitioning away from football, did you get any assistance at all? No, no, nothing at all. I never, I never really spoke to anyone. I think, um, I think I got a bit of help um, from the PFA in terms of w with certain um, coaching courses and stuff. Okay. Um, so that, so that was quite good. So I done my coaching badges with the Welsh FA. Um, but no, nothing, nothing really specific, Dan. Do you know what I mean? So, um, but I think it's there are there are a lot of avenues out there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean to help? But it's always like you've got to go and find it, and and sometimes it's harder. I think when you're older to actually push yourself to again to get out of that comfort zone if you've never done it. Mm. Um, when you're younger and you you get them around that mindset, um, then I think it's 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 easier. Like it's kind of bred in them to do that something else a little bit different or maybe something a little bit on the side or or, or whatever it is. you know obviously without taking a fo focus away from the football because you want to try and give it everything you can but um no i never had anything i never had anything my end and i think you know i think the pfa and, and i know 
personally from from when I worked in the 18s and the 21s at the academy there's there's a lot you know through the triple p on aftercare so you know if you you've had a player you know we had players that have come through from 9 years old at bournemouth and then they get to 18 and it's like it's a no do you know what I mean we're not going to take you on any further um, yeah. and you just try and cover them with as much as you can you know whether they want to go to america whether they're doing this and whatnot. and i think there's a big thing now especially at bournemouth we're doing is the aftercare to that so how are they getting on six months down the line a year down the line two years down the line so you're still trying to stay in contact with some of the ones that, that we have had for a while and then try and um see how they're progressing you know whatever their career is Do you know i mean yeah. we've had some that have gone to america on a, on a football scholarship and living in america learning and playing football which i think yeah. is a great option some have just you know playing part-time maybe locally yeah and working some might have found another club somewhere else, do you know what I mean? But it's just, it's just um, trying to keep tabs on them. Um, because ultimately, sometimes it's good that they can actually come back in and speak to, speak to the younger players and, and let them know the experiences firsthand. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think that's so important that you keep them in contact with kind of ex-players. And going forward, maybe, what, five, ten years from now, it could be a situation where you're working together and you've already got that relationship. And in their mind, they're thinking, naturally, they're harbouring thoughts of, or Carl Fletcher, like he called me two years after I wasn't even at the club anymore. So straight yeah. away you've got that relationship. So I think that's so important uh, and that's a good message. I think every club should be doing that to a certain degree anyway. Mm. Um, one more thing, is there any kind of advice that you give young players, older players, players that are coming to the end of their career or just starting out? Is there any advice that you would kind of push on? I, I think I think the biggest thing I'd say, it's probably different between both. I would say from the younger, the younger ones, I would always say just any opportunity that you get given to you, just, just go for it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If that means, you know, it might be, you get a chance to do a coaching course, you get a chance to um, learn how to be a gym instructor or just, just do it. Do you know what I mean? You might not like it, but just do it. Do mm. you know what I mean? And obviously just focus fully on your football. I think when you're younger and, 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 and that kind of, just try and take as much in as you can. You haven't got your, generally you haven't got your responsibilities and things like that at that yeah. age. So you can invest in, in your career, which is, you know, you're eating right, sleeping right, and your, your football side, but also your mental side by learning, reading, do you know what I mean? Picking stuff up. You can learn anything you want these days off, off the internet. So, yeah. um, do you know what I mean? Don't be afraid to, to do it. And I think the biggest thing when you're older, I think it's just asking. I think it's just don't be afraid to put yourself out of your comfort zone because everyone's done it. Everyone's done it. Some people, like, I was very much like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, shall I phone him and ask him if there's any jobs there or anything? And you, and you kind yeah. of, again, it's almost your pride getting in the way of going, no, 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 I don't need to ask him. Do you know what I mean? Something will fall on my lap or something like that. But don't yeah. just do it. Just do it. Everyone's been in that situation. Everyone's had that awkward phone call. And the only way you get better at it is the more you do it. So, you know, even now I still struggle at certain things, you know, trying to pick up the phone. If you're trying to, you know, I'm trying to speak to a club that I've never spoke to before and it's, Sometimes you get tongue-tied and, you know, you want to make a good impression. But just doing it, I think, is, is the only way about it. I think, like you say, that, that fear of failure can be crippling. But, yeah, just get on and do it. Just, just have a go. Brilliant, mate. Uh, really enjoyed the chat. Great insight into, obviously, your outlook and, obviously, what you're doing now. I appreciate you coming on so much. Um, say hello to all the boys at Bournemouth for me. Um, and, like I said, good luck going forward. Hope it goes well for you. No, brilliant. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. See you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.